section forty one of commentary on the epistles of paul the apostle to the corinthians volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by k hand commentary on the epistles of paul the apostle to the corinthians volume one by john calvin translated by reverend john pringle first corinthians chapter eight verses eight through thirteen but meat commendeth us not to god for neither if we eat are we the better neither if we eat not are we the worse but take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak for if any man see thee which hast knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols and through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom christ died but when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience you sin against christ wherefore if meat make my brother to offend i will eat no flesh while the world standeth lest i make my brother to offend eight meat recommendeth us not to god this was or may have been another pretext made use of by the corinthians that the worship of god does not consist in meats as paul himself teaches in his epistle to the romans fourteen seventeen that the kingdom of god is not meat or drink paul answers we must at the same time take care that our liberty does not do injury to our neighbors in this he tacitly acknowledges that in the sight of god it matters not what kinds of food we partake of because he allows us the free use of them so far as conscience is concerned but that this liberty as to the external use of it is made subject to love the argument of the corinthians therefore was defective inasmuch as they inferred the whole from a part for in the use of them a regard to the claims of love is included it is therefore certain that meat recommendeth us not to god and paul acknowledges this but he states this exception that love is recommended to us by god which it were criminal to overlook neither if we eat are we the better he does not speak of improvement as to the stomach for the man who has dined has a better filled stomach than the man who goes fasting but he means that we have neither more nor less righteousness from eating or from abstaining besides he does not speak of every kind of abstinence or of every kind of eating for excess and luxury are in themselves displeasing to god while sobriety and moderation are well pleasing to him but let it be understood by us that the kingdom of god which is spiritual does not consist in these outward observances and therefore that things indifferent are in themselves of no importance in the sight of god while he brings this forward in the person of others by anthipophora he at the same time admits that it is true for it is taken from his own doctrine which we touched upon a little ago nine take heed that your liberty he leaves their liberty untouched but moderates the use of it thus far that it may not give occasion of stumbling to the weak and he expressly desires that regard be had to the weak that is to those who are not yet thoroughly confirmed in the doctrine of piety for as they are wont to be regarded with contempt it is the will and command of the lord that regard should be had to them in the meantime he hints that strong giants who may be desirous tyrannically to subject our liberty to their humour may safely be let alone because we need not fear giving offence to those who are not drawn into sin through infirmity but eagerly catch at something to find fault with what he means by an occasion of stumbling we shall see ere long ten if any one see thee 
from this it appears more clearly how much liberty the corinthians allowed themselves for when the wicked made a kind of sacred banquet for their idols they did not hesitate to go to it to eat of the sacrifice along with them paul now shows what evil resulted from this in the first clause instead of the words who hast knowledge i have rendered the expression thus though thou shouldest have and in the second clause in the expression who is weak i have introduced the word notwithstanding this i found it necessary to do for the clearing up of paul's meaning for he makes a concession as if he had said be it so that thou hast knowledge he who seeth thee though he is not endowed with knowledge is notwithstanding confirmed by thine example to venture upon the same thing while he would never have taken such a step if he had not had one to take the lead now when he has one to imitate he thinks that he has a sufficient excuse in the circumstance that he is imitating another while in the meantime he is acting from an evil conscience for weakness here means ignorance or scruple of conscience i am aware at the same time in what way others explain it for they understand the occasion of stumbling to be this when ignorant persons induced by example imagine that in this way they perform some kind of religious service to god but this idea is quite foreign to paul's meaning for he reproves them as i have said because they emboldened the ignorant to hurry on contrary to conscience to attempt what they did not think it lawful for them to do to be built up means here to be confirmed now that is a ruinous kind of building that is not founded on sound doctrine eleven and thy brother perish mark how serious and evil it is that mankind commonly thinks so little of that of venturing upon anything with a doubtful or opposing conscience for the object which our whole life ought to be directed is the will of the lord this therefore is the one thing that vitiates all our actions when we disregard it this we do not merely by an outward action but even by a thought of the mind when we allow ourselves in anything in opposition to conscience even though the thing be not evil in itself let us bear in mind therefore that whenever we take a step in opposition to conscience we are on the high road to ruin i read however the sentence interrogatively thus shall he perish through thy knowledge as though he had said is it reasonable that thy knowledge should give occasion of ruin to thy brother is it for this reason that thou knowest what is right that thou mayest cause another's ruin he makes use of the term brother in order to expose their pride as unfeeling in this way it is true that the person whom you despise is weak but still he is your brother for god has adopted him you act a cruel part therefore in having no concern for your brother there is however still greater force in what follows that even those that are ignorant or weak have been redeemed with the blood of christ for nothing were more unseemly than this that while christ did not hesitate to die in order that the weak might not perish we on the other hand reckon as nothing the salvation of those who have been redeemed with so great a price a memorable saying by which we are taught how precious the salvation of our brethren ought to be in our esteem and not merely that of all but of each individual in particular inasmuch as the blood of christ was poured out for each individual twelve when ye sin so against the brethren etc for if the soul of every one that is weak is the price of christ's blood that man who for the sake of a very small portion of meat hurries back again to death the brother who has been redeemed by christ shows how contemptible the blood of christ is in his view hence contempt of this kind is an open insult to christ in what way a weak conscience may be wounded has already been explained when it is built up in what is evil first ten so as daringly and rashly to rush on further than the individual thinks to be lawful for him 
13. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend. With the view of reproving more severely their disdainful liberty, he declares that we ought not merely to refrain from a single banquet rather than injure a brother, but ought to give up the eating of meats during our whole life. Nor does he merely prescribe what ought to be done, but declares that he would himself act in this way. The expression, it is true, is hyperbolical, as it is scarcely possible that one should refrain from eating flesh during his whole life if he remain in common life, but his meaning is that he would rather make no use of his liberty in any instance than be an occasional offense to the weak. For participation is in no case lawful unless it be regulated by the rule of love. Would that this were duly pondered by those who make everything subservient to their own advantage, so that they cannot endure to give up so much as a hair's breadth of their own right for the sake of their brethren, and that they would attend not merely to what Paul teaches, but also to what he marks out by his own example. How greatly superior he is to us! When he, then, makes no hesitation in subjecting himself thus far to his brethren, which of us would not submit to the same condition? But however difficult it is to act upon this doctrine, so far as the meaning is concerned, it is easy were it not that some have corrupted it by foolish glosses and others by wicked calumnies. Both classes err as to the meaning of the word offend, for if they understand the word offend to mean incurring the hatred or displeasure of men, or what is nearly the same thing, doing what displeases them or is not altogether agreeable to them, but it appears very manifestly from the context that it means simply to hinder a brother by bad example as an obstacle thrown in his way from the right course or to give him occasion of falling paul therefore is not here treating of the retaining of the favor of men but of the assisting of the weak so as to prevent their falling and prudently directing them that they may not turn aside from the right path but as i have said the former class are foolish while the latter are also wicked and impudent those are foolish who allow christians scarcely any use of things indifferent lest they should offend superstitious persons Paul, say they, prohibits here everything that might give occasion of offense. Now to eat flesh on Friday will not fail to give offense, and hence we must abstain from it, not merely when there are some weak persons present, but in every case without exception, for it is possible that they may come to know of it. Not to speak of their misinterpretation of the word rendered occasion of offense, they fall into a grievous blunder in not considering that Paul here inveighs against those who impudently abuse their knowledge in the presence of the weak, whom they take no pains to instruct. Hence there will be no occasion for reproof if instruction has been previously given. Farther, Paul does not command us to calculate whether there may be an occasion of offense in what we do, except when the danger is present to our view. I come now to the other class. These are pretended followers of Nicodemus, who under this pretext conform themselves to the wicked by participating in their idolatry, and not contended with justifying what they do amiss, are desirous also to bind others to the same necessity. Nothing could be said with greater plainness to condemn their perverse dissimulation than what Paul here teaches, that all who by their example allure the weak to idolatry commit a grievous outrage against God as well as men. Yet they eagerly shield themselves from this by endeavoring to show that superstitions ought to be cherished in the hearts of the ignorant, and that we ought to lead the way before them to idolatry, lest a free condemnation of idolatry should offend them. Hence I will not do them the honor of dwelling upon a refutation of their impudence. I simply admonish my readers to compare Paul's times with ours, and judge from this whether it is allowable to be present at Mass and other abominations, giving so much occasion of offense to the weak. End of section 41